Hello there. Welcome back to yet another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> this is the thing Wait, we do. I just say I'm random people. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. Welcome back to yet another uh, yet, welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um this is a very special episode. Um as you recall, last episode we ended season four of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Next episode, we're gonna be beginning season five of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um and we have a little transition episode in between. This is an episode we've been excited for for a while. Um, a couple months back, we did an episode about Star Wars music, um, and that did really well. We loved doing that episode, and we decided to make that into an entire series of episodes called Why Star Wars is Star Wars. We're going to go through different aspects of Star Wars in these special episodes and discuss what makes them so great, why they're uniquely special to Star Wars. Um, but Jacob and I are not going to do this alone. As you heard in the intro, we have two very special guests. We have Mark and Emma from Pink Milk After Dark. They do live streams every Friday. I'm on them quite regularly, and they're awesome. Um, originally, Brian was going to join us, but he had some other obligation to get to. He will be very much missed. And But we do have some uh, input from him on this episode's subject, so... In the meantime, we do have Mark and Emma here, and I'm very excited to have you both here. Uh, before uh, we get into this episode, I think it's time to drink up, first of all. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, uh, so first, uh, before we get into this episode, um, I want to ask the both of you, let's start with Mark. How do you get into Star Wars, Mark? All right, well... As a kid who was born in the 70s, I was old enough to be able to see A New Hope in the theaters. And so, you know, it just started there. Although that memory is a lot more fuzzier because things for me start to form around the time we get to Empire Strikes Back. And that's when I really remember going to the theater and taking all that in. And, and it's when I really fell in love with it. I mean, of course, I had the toys and stuff way before that. But at that point... It really took off there. And of course, by the time Jedi came around, you know, I left school early to go see that opening day and the rest is history. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Emma, same for you. How do you get into hi. Star Wars? Yeah, hi, I'm Emma. I'm from Pink Milk After Dark. Um, I got into Star Wars when I was about five years old. I was born in 1980 and uh, I had a babysitter who had a VHS copy of Return of the Jedi that she put on a lot for us <laughs> and um yeah i showed a particular interest in it i was more into that than i was into like ghostbusters or like any of the other never-ending story or any of the other movies that were popular around that time and my mom noticed and she really encouraged me to be a star wars fan because um she really liked the portrayal of strong women in the franchise so rest is history <laughs> i'm just thinking about the portrayal of strong women then compared to the portrayal of strong women now and how great we've gotten with that stuff for uh, sure but back then we had to take what we could get yeah back then you had leia who is awesome i'm yes but now now i'm just thinking we have ray we have ahsoka looking at like new content we have avar chris in the high republic we have keith trannis yeah. Um, which is from led the jedi which i'm not going to say i still haven't finished but i still haven't finished it <laughs> Um, it's gonna be a thing. Shout, it's out, gonna... shout out to Dr. Afra and Ventress, of course. Yes, absolutely. I gotta bring in my uh, my my personal favorites, Sabine Ren and Harris and Oh yeah, there yes. we go. There's the rebel yes. stuff. I'm, I'm There's the rebel fan yeah. in yep, here. Yep, yep. Okay, so let's uh, expand that to another topic, which is how did you guys get into Star Wars content creation in general? 
Mark, let's go with you first again. So this would have began, I mean, I had podcasted prior to this, but, you know, they'd only done guest spots and everything. But at that point, you know, Brian reached out over the summer in the middle of like uh, the lockdown and everything that's been going on this last year. And he asked if I wanted to be on a round table for the Mandalorian. And I was like, oh, I've never thought about the fact, you know, approaching to talk about Star Wars from a queer perspective. It just didn't even occur to me. I just, you know, a lot of time we don't get that. And it just was an opportunity that I just thought, let's do this. Let's try this, you know? And I ended up going on there and meeting these great people, meeting M and all these other great folks. And the next thing I know, it's like, I'm surrounded by all these great people. And we're talking about ourselves and it just expands from there. And, you know, shortly after that was done, then, you know, Brian reaches out and asks, you know, hey, I want to do this thing with Pink Milk after dark. And, you know, we do it in the evening. It's a live stream. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I was not expecting that. And so I thought, again, let's do this. You know, it's like I finally get to kind of be myself online this way and then it'd be my first live stream type show. And so yeah it's it's been it was a heck of a ride just from like the summer on before i knew it by the end of the year i'm on a show with brian and em and like <laughs> yeah i it, that's it, it's awesome <laughs> yeah that's awesome i was tuning in last night uh great show by the way last night um Thank there's you. been some great topics um my one of my personal favorites that you guys have done uh this is not me being biased towards my favorite star wars movie or anything but you did an entire episode about why return of the jedi is so great and i just love yeah. that because that's my favorite star wars movie um i i'm just so into that because uh yeah i was watching them all recently and return of the jedi man just uh, uh so great good uh so great emma what about you so, um, yeah, uh, okay, well, it all started with quarantine. Um, I was pretty, I became pretty active on Twitter and uh, like in the fan community and creating content, writing fan fiction specifically. And then, uh, so I was just kind of like on Twitter around and I saw, I had just happened to randomly see Brian's tweet that he was looking for queer people to talk about Star Wars. And I was like, I'm a queer person. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I like to talk. This is good. So yeah, I contacted him. I was part of the roundtables that we did about Mandalorian season one, and that was so much fun. I had a wonderful time, as Mark said, like meeting all of these incredible people. So inspiring, so warm, so welcoming. It was like an instant friends. And then yeah, Brian approached me and asked me to, you know, be a voice on the Friday night live stream and. I couldn't say no. I mean, someone offers you the opportunity to be part of a YouTube show. That's just great. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it was like, it's a huge pleasure and I'm, I'm having an enormous amount of fun. I'm again, I'm having an enormous amount of fun watching you guys. It's a great, like, it's one of the things that I make sure to tune into. Um, so I guess without any further ado, Jacob, uh, we should get into our main meat of the topic, which is Star Wars locations, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So what makes a Star Wars location? I would like to say that, at least for me, I'm excited to talk about this because in my experience of Star Wars, the different locations, the, the planets, the moons, the cities have really been something that really uh, made Star Wars special to me. Um, yeah. when, every time I watch a movie or TV show or read a Star Wars comic, I'm, I'm always super excited and, and, and really drawn into the the settings and that's something that really stands out to me i could literally rave about the background art in star wars rebels all those amazing 
panoramic sunset shots and, and whatnot and sky shots for hours. So yeah, I, I always have felt that the the locations and the settings are something really special to me. And I love how much creativity and variety there is to that. Yeah, I definitely agree. One of the things I actually really love about planets, and I don't know if any of you guys think about it this way, it's a, they're a very good pacing tool. You know, Star Wars has a history of being three planet movies. That's how it works. There are exceptions. New Hope stands out. Last Jedi stands out. Uh, but if you think, you know, Force Awakens, Jakku, uh, Takadana, Starkiller Base, you got those three acts of the movie. They lay out very uh, Tatooine and Endor lay out in Return of the Jedi, lay out very specifically how that, I didn't get that too, uh, but still, they lay out how the movie's going to be structured. Phantom Menace, Naboo, uh, Tatooine, and then a little, then Act 3 is split up between a little jaunt to Coruscant, but then mostly back to Naboo again. Um, that's what I, that's one of the things I, that immediately pops in my mind is that they give us a bit of pacing. They're like, okay, this is where it starts and this is where it ends. And most of the time, at least within the movie, once we leave a planet, we don't go back. Now, of course, that's, there's an exception with Naboo in episode one, but really, other than that, once we leave a planet, we don't usually come back to it in that movie. Um, and that's yeah. just something that I think of when talking about a Star Wars planet or moon, I guess you could say. The denizens, the creatures, and, mm -hmm. you know, what we meet, and, like, just the, the capability, just what can what can happen within a story because of a setting, because if there's a lot of water, or there's a lot of forest, you know what I mean? And, and the vehicles and everything are going to be adapted to that particular environment, too, so you're going to get that new as well. So it just presents a whole, like, Pandora's box of new possibilities when we get that new environment. That's what I love about it. So. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. It can feel so immersive the way they can construct a whole world kind of, you know, <laughs> it's like neither Jacob and I have been, we were this close to going. Um, but like, that's what I imagine galaxy's edge is like, it's like, you know, they built Batu from the ground up and you know, I was reading, I remember back when the time when Jacob and I thought we were going to realistically go to Galaxy's Edge before this whole pandemic kicked in, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was reading about like how immersive it was going to be and like you could use your phone as like a data pad and like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is Star Wars. This is great. Yeah, um, yeah that's one of the things I'm interested And also, this is another thing I've noticed. Um, as Star Wars has gone on, you know, there's that old trope in Star Wars of, like, the one-biome planets. Um, they've done a really interesting job at, like, kind of breaking that mold recently. Like, if you look at Tatooine in The Mandalorian, we get all those interesting looks at Tatooine. Just generally Tatooine in, um, any Star Wars anything, you know, you get that very diverse look at it. Coruscant, with the works, that shady district where Palpatine and Dooku plan. Uh, I'm trying to think of, there was no, oh, Kef Beer from The Rise of Skywalker, you know, there are those glass grassy planes, but you, nope, there's just an ocean smack dab in the middle of it, because that's just what happens. Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting thing they've been, uh, reaching for in the new, uh, Star Wars specifically. Well, I like, I mean... I'm really into the whole mystical side of Star Wars. Everybody knows this about me. So <laughs> I really like like places with kyber crystal deposits, that kind of thing. 
Jedi temples, Sith temples. Like I'm way into that. Um, I also you must have really been dying during Mortis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I also, um, I really like to see places where, um, like civilization and construction has taken place in the midst of nature. Like I loved going underwater on Nur in Fallen Order. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like those underwater corridors and stuff. Like I there was so into that. I love that stuff. And oh yeah. Yeah, Kakanana in like castle smack dab right in the middle of a forest. Of a forest, yeah. Like it's the ziggurats on Yavin 4. Like I'm so into it. Yeah, I love all that stuff. I just love seeing like those kinds of um, that kind of imagery, that visual of like a man-made construction in the middle of like rampant nature yeah. is really, really appealing to me. I love that. That's one of my favorite things to see in Star Wars. Definitely. Like, the, I, like on Kashyyyk, you have like whole trees that have been hollowed out and these massive trees have turned into tree houses with like tunnels and, and yeah it's like it's magical it seems like, yeah it's like it seems so magical to me it reminds me of like in fairy tales when you have like you know like elaborate gardens with like gazebos and stairways and yeah yeah there's also an element I was just thinking of which I really like now that I think about it more and more which is I love when planets get and moons get development like characters would like Tatooine expands a little bit more every time we see it mm -hmm. um other examples I'm thinking of the Clone Wars Mandalore mm -hmm. every time we see Mandalore we get a new different thing that's happening in Mandalore um the best development I think and uh I'm gonna go to Jacob's side here and do some rebels praising right here um is Lothal you know when we see Lothal in season one versus when we see Lothal in season four of Rebels versus when we see Lothal in the epilogue of season four of Rebels. Those could be two, like, not two. Those could be three different planets. Yeah. Logistically, those could, like, because, you know, we got that, like, Imperial-occupied Lothal in season one. We got the, like, Imperial dystopic uh, Lothal, where it feels like they've just gotten their martial law and imposed it like ten times over. <laughs> and then you got your glistening dream city Lothal at the end of season four that we get a glimpse of. Um, that's a Lothal, actually, I want to see. Um, yeah. Hey, um, hey, Ahsoka series. Bring us back to Lothal, please. Thank you. Please, that would be so cool. I love that. If it's going to be any of them, it's going to be Ahsoka. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything else, Jacob? No, I'm sure I'm... you have quite a bit to say about Lothal. Um, I, I do, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna if that's that for my one top of your top three. three. Yeah, I he was before he was before the recording. It was like all three of mine are animated, and I was I was thinking through. I'm like, okay, one of them's Lothal. Um, <laughs> I, you know me too well. <laughs> I know him too well. I'm gonna have some things to say, but it's gonna come when I talk about my planet. There we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Maybe we should jump into I, that. I think we should jump into that. Um, okay. Um, first, actually, let me read from Brian here. Um, Brian was nice enough to uh, give his thoughts about what makes a great Star Wars planet and his uh, best Star Wars planets and moons. Um, he says, I love a Star Wars planet that feels like somewhere we could actually live, but it's a spaceship sitting there and aliens walk away. It makes Star Wars feel so grounded. 
I definitely like that idea. Like, again, it brings me back to Batu, which you'd think, as much as I'm talking about it, it'd be one of my top three. It isn't. Um, but, you know, like, even like Tatooine, you know, it was in, that was filmed in Tunisia. It was a real place, you know. Mm -hmm. But then you have, like, a guy with, you know, like a, a walrus head walking <laughs> out of there. And you have, like, you know, docking bays for ships and you know that all that kind of stuff um yeah i also this is another thing i really like about some star wars planets if you see a star wars planet enough when you go back there it feels like home tatooine yes. is an example that i think of um coruscant when you go back there it feels like home you know what i mean uh yeah i think now we should get on to our top three favorite planets and moons okay here we go so how are we gonna do this i have an idea since mark's been beginning with stuff emma go ahead okay so number three is kashik um i love everything about kashik i loved visiting it in fallen order it was it felt like a profoundly spiritual experience to explore it and to discover the data entries about a uh, wiki culture and why it is the way it is and the way the planet has shaped their culture because they live so close to nature. Um, yeah. Climbing up to the top of the origin tree and meeting the creature that lives there and the battle that takes place there was, I found it so moving. I just loved running around in it so much. And um, as I've already talked about, I love seeing nature in Star Wars. Like I love verdant planets, huge trees, mysterious vines, beautiful flowers, you know, pools, hollows, ponds. I love all that stuff. And Kashyyyk has all of those things. And of course, you know, meeting the Wookiees who live there because <laughs> who doesn't love a Wookiee? <laughs> yeah. Kashyyyk is the best friend you'll ever have. <laughs> I was about to put Kashyyyk in my top three. I love that planet too, but I'm I'm glad I didn't now because now we don't have to overlap. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Kashyyyk, I I agree. I I like your taste. Go Kashyyyk. Go Kashyyyk. I, I was gonna go. Kashyyyk is a weird planet for me because I'm thinking about it. Like we don't see it in a Star Wars movie until 2005, but I'm pretty sure we see it in other Star Wars media like way 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 before then. The thing I'm thinking of most is the Star Wars holiday special, yes. um, <laughs> where it's not called Kashyyyk at all. It's not called Kashyyyk. It, it's called, in my opinion, a far dumber name, Kazook. <laughs> Literally, I'm pretty sure this is the actual spelling. I'm pretty yes. sure Kazook is the actual name of Kashyyyk in the holiday special. They hadn't quite figured it out yet, um, no, which no, is no. fine. So they went through a rebranding by the time yeah, we get to the movie. So. Give, maybe maybe it's a regional dialect of uh, the Wookiee language. Maybe they call it that in the Southern Hemisphere, not the Northern Hemisphere. Or something. <laughs> it's Twilight Twi'lek all over again. Let's do this. And, um, and the last thing I wanted to say was one of the things that I love about it is like this came up during our trivia night that we did on New Year's Eve, where the most precious substance in all of Star Wars is from Kashyyyk. It's Merrix, which is hardened sap from a rusher tree that is like older than anything else. So, and it's so rare that like by the time we, like by the time we encounter the substance in Star Wars canon, there's only like two or three known pieces of it in the entire galaxy. 
Ooh. That's crazy. Now I'm just thinking back to, I'm pretty sure there was a deleted Clone Wars arc that was going to have them going back to Kashyyyk. And I want to say there was a part with tree ants, like tree ants were going to be introduced into Star Wars. Yeah. And I'm also pretty sure that there was going to be a thing where the Wookiees were going to have to burn some of the trees to stop the Separatists. And that was going to be like so not sacred to them, but they were at war. And so they kind of had no choice. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I'm not completely sure about that. Okay, yeah. so number two, I'm going to put Moraband because of my oh. enduring love for the dark side and the Sith. It's such an important <laughs> yeah. location. Um, you know, like the Valley of the Dark Lords, it provides such rich material. Like I've written a couple of fixes that took place there where it was a very important spot. Yes. And um, I just find the idea of a place that is attuned to the dark side so attractive i mean my sec like i was actually gonna say that this place is i mean i know it's cheating but it's kind of tied with mustafar for me i also love mustafar i love fortress vader <laughs> the locations are just so like they capture my imagination and and i hold them very dear in my heart um yeah, I just, I love the mystery of it. I love the edge of danger. Like, yeah. it's so, I find it very alluring. So that's my number two. When I was originally watching season six of The Clone Wars, I remember when we got to Moraman, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what we're doing? Yoda's visiting the homeworld of the Sith and we get Darth Bane yeah. played by Mark Hamill? Are you kidding me? I know. Have I all would, my yeah. dreams come true? Like, I've read the Darth Bane trilogy. It is some of my favorite Star Wars literature of all time. Yeah. Even though um, I'm mostly a new canon fan. But, like, man, stuff that happens on that planet is so great. So great. That is actually probably my second favorite that that episode of the Clone Wars. This is my second favorite episode of the Clone Wars series. Sacrifice. My first, yeah, my first one. Actually, my first my first favorite actually is related to my first place planet so are we finished talking about this do we want to move I, on or I, have a little bit I was going to say and this would be your second planet that started off as a different planet well planet name oh, yes, yes so Corban, yeah. So far. <laughs> yeah although right. technically I've actually heard this is a deep pull from the back of my Star Wars brain which I'm very proud about um, in a book called Star Wars Dark Legends there's a passage in one of the stories that says that it's placing the time. It's trying to say it's a long, long time ago. Like, not the, in a galaxy far, far away sort of thing, but, like, it's, like, way before the movies. And it says, I think the particular passage says, in the time where Moraband was still called Korriban. Oh, so I nice. think they're the same planet. People just call them different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was known. Is, yeah. Which is Sweet. also pretty crazy, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. No, go. No, you were go ahead. I think it's interesting that they're actually not just then renaming it, but is is that book canon? Yeah, completely. Oh, I mean, so sort of, kind of, a little bit. <laughs> I, the thing is, that, it's uh... can't the the stories being told like the stories were told, but it's like a, they're myths in the Star Wars universe. So whether oh. they're actually true or not depends on your own point of view but like i think we can regard that line as canon 
well, now I'm dying to know why they changed the name from Korriban to Moriban in universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually not. That's a good point. That's a very, very but, good I point. I mean, this, this relates back to something that I've said on the, on, on after dark before, which is that like, when you think about it, we have like 4,000 ish, 6,000 ish years of lore because like KOTOR takes place like 4,000 years before, you know, Anakin yeah. was born. So, you know, it makes sense for cultures and those kinds of things to evolve over time. You know, like yeah. I mean, even Absolutely. like in our boring mundane world, like we have countries that are named something different than what they were 120 yeah. years ago. So and like it, just, it only makes sense, right? Like yeah. this is how it culture makes, works. It evolves, yeah. right? Yeah, it makes total that, sense. I, and I even that evolution, that. like, you know, we're getting into the higher public. The higher public takes place a, a mere 200 years before the Phantom Menace. Look how different the Jedi are. Like... To 200 years. Look how different the Jedi are. Yep. Um, they're like, they seem to not have, I'm going to get Jacob to unmute right now. They seem not to have lost their way. <laughs> I don't understand how that's become Eli's inside joke that I always go on about the Jedi losing their way because I honestly love the Jedi Order and I think people give the Jedi uh, too much, too much flack sometimes and unfair blame. For the fall of the Republic, but some, somehow I always end up going on about how much the Jedi have been corrupted. So I don't know where I stand on this anymore. I and was, Brian would have a lot to add to that. Trust me. I, I would. I was gonna tweet something. There was someone doing some drinking game, so I was gonna do an in a galaxy drinking game, and it was gonna be take a shot whenever. And then the first one I did was Jacob mentions the Jedi losing their way. Um, <laughs> It happens way more than I ever would have thought. Um, I never thought that was going to become a thing. It just happened to. Um, Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, this whole idea of things like changing and evolving over time, it actually fits in with my tide for number two planet Mustafar, right? Which used to be much more... um, what's the word? Hospitable to green, lush, to life, yeah. green and lush until we had the whole Corvax situation, you know, and yeah, mm-hmm. and the bright star, and yeah. And then they can start converting it back, and then a little small patch of the conversion can be seen in the rest of Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's starting to heal itself, which is very cool. Yep. Nice. Good stuff. Um, so, we, should we get to your number one? I'm very curious. What's it go? Yeah. So my number one is also another planet that arguably has two names. And that planet is Ilum. Oh, I see. (laughs) I see what the other name is now. (laughs) And I, again, I loved visiting it in Fallen Order. Order. It was so incredibly moving. I was completely incensed and outraged by the fact that I had to fight stormtroopers in that place. I mean, and, and I'm just that in the to best... enjoy the planet. Well, I mean that in the best way. It was like, yeah. you don't belong here. Yeah. It's sacrosanct. So. Like, Get, out. Get out of my sacred Jedi <laughs> right now. Out. See ya. Out. And going back to what I was talking about earlier, like my favorite episode of Clone Wars is the gathering. Oh yeah. 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 
like if I have friends and if they haven't seen Clone Wars and they're not really into Star Wars, I'll like make them watch that episode. Like that's the one. You know how like, like everybody makes everyone watch the Buffy musical episode and like that's the one that they see. That's <laughs> for me with the Clone Wars, it's it's the gathering because it's I feel like Jedi it's, kids. I feel like it's something that people can relate to and you mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to understand all of the lore in order to understand the point of the episode and in order to be moved by the events. Yeah. So and then, of course, you know, how arguably, I mean, I think it's it's never been explicitly stated and people have talked about this, but I mean, I'm pretty well convinced that Ilum was was the planet that was converted into Starkiller Base. It's pretty much confirmed. Yeah. If you yeah. see Ilum when they're traveling there in Fallen Order, it has the great uh, built into it that already looks like Starkiller Base. Yeah. It also has a very similar size to Starkiller Base in the visual dictionaries. As I like to say sometimes, it's as confirmed as you can get without confirming it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and I love that, um, yeah, I just, the events that happened there were so significant and moving to me that, like, that planet is always going to be an important place for me in Star Wars. And I also love that in Fallen Order, it's where you find Dave Filoni's hat. <laughs> 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 I missed that. There's a ledge. There's a ledge that you can like sort of crawl out onto, and there's Dave Filoni's hat is like leaning up against. Like, no, oh no, my god! god that's order again. Cool. It's an it's no, Easter egg in Fallen Order. I I, I got to go back there. I, I right? need to see this. We're going back to, to Ilum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I did not know that. M, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, now you do. <laughs> So those are my top three and a half planets. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. So we got Kashyyyk, Moraband, and Ilum. I'm going to give you, I know Brian's list and I know my list. And neither of them are on it. And none of them are on either of them. So it's going to be an interesting episode. Um, Great. Mark, let's go with you. All right. All Number right. Three. I'm sure I'm going to have stuff that I, is on one of your lists or probably a little more conventional, unfortunately. <laughs> I hope this is not boring. So, <laughs> so I'll start with number three. I'm going to go with Coruscant because Coruscant. I, lo- I love big yeah. cities. It's cosmopolitan. You've got your 500 Republic building, which is beautiful, right? you got oh, your, yeah. your big Senate you know, building, you know, um, and you got the Jedi temple and you got 1313, you know, I mean, you got the Sith shrine yeah. below the Jedi temple. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then you got your industrial right area, which were like, you were mentioning where, uh, Doku and, uh, Sidious meet. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. great. You know, there's just so much on that planet. It's the center of the universe, you know, for that time period that we know of, of, of course. Um, yeah, I just and I would love to visit it. That's the other thing that makes me think about it. You know, I would love to go there, just be immersed in all that, all the different culture that's there and everything that's happened in the history and so forth. You know, Coruscant is the New York City of Star Wars. Right there, you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I was, I was thinking, I was just thinking a little sidebar about that scene in the works with Palpatine and Dooku. I, re- I'm realizing now that scene is hilarious. Like. Dooku is Dooku and Palpatine get off, and Palpatine's like, "Have you done that little thing I asked you to do?" And Dooku's like, "Start a war? Yeah, I started a war for you." Yeah, exactly. And Palpatine's exactly. like, "Great." <laughs> Speaking of the war, one of the favorite things that I noticed about Coruscant is how between like when we have we have the you see the Senate building in Attack of the Clones, and then when we see it again in Revenge of the Sith. 
there are more buildings built up around it, presumably because of the war and emergency powers. I don't know, but that to me is just so interesting. How even in that time, and even in that short time frame, they're kind of thinking of ways to to change things and add to the lore by kind of or having the physical world that the story takes place in reflect the lore in, in kind of subtle ways like that. I also will add, um, I know people don't like some of the changes in the special edition. Some were great, some were not that great. But let me just say Coruscant in um, the Return of the Jedi sequences was beautiful. Like, that was a great addition in there. That's Absolutely. Like, you get to see yeah. hit the Emperor statue toppled. I mean, how could you beat that, right? That awesome. Yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> Deep Snaboo in that movie, which is great other than that lone Gungan in the background yelling, We saw free! Which kind of just like <laughs> takes so me out of the moment a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right. really you had to take one of the worst things about the prequel and just slap it right in my original trilogy <laughs> one of the things i love about about coruscant is like it's it's talked about in the um in the star wars fifth edition i don't know if any of you if you guys have to try have tried it at all the conversion of like the dungeons and dragons playing tabletop method to no. like putting it in the star wars universe yeah all, all, all the resources are free you can find it at sw5e.com i am not affiliated i'm just a fan <laughs> um <laughs> but um but they talk about how the how coruscant the different layers basically represent sort of different levels of respectability so like the further yeah. down you go like the the seedier it is and about how like if you want to dock at a higher level where like your shit's not going to get stolen um you you have to pay more and yeah. so if you if you're I'm willing sure level zero is inhospitable isn't it <laughs> yeah at, like a certain, level... at a certain point it becomes uninhabitable yeah but like relative yeah. to like the levels of civilization that have been constructed um yeah like the the inhabitable levels it's like like the 20th level is like just full of you know no good nicks and <laughs> now i'm just imagining the, the, they keep building uh, stuff on coruscant and eventually they'll get to level like nine thousand, and they'll just be almost in space at this point yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah i was kind of hoping in the sequel trilogy that they would go back to coruscant and there would be even more buildings or 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 it will be turned into rubble. Like who knows? There's, yeah. Well, have you seen the art of the Rise of Skywalker? Because in that book, there's it. some really great concept art of uh, Kylo Ren going to the library at the Jedi Temple, and sort of like the streets are like sort of kind of ruined, and it's just like a it's a total mess. You know, like there's no civilization. It's cause civilization is completely broken down there, and yeah, it's like a scary place to be. But yeah, so basically um, their concept for uh, Coruscant in Rise of Skywalker was that it was just going to be like a complete shambles of a city. I know in Duel of the Fates so cool. they were planning on going back to Coruscant, mm -hmm. which is one of the only things I can say I like about Duel of the Fates. Um, <laughs> yeah. Huge Rise of Skywalker fan that I am. Uh, but like, I, but that was one of the only things and like the... And, but I, it was really interesting. Like I also really like, even though I also liked Hux's role in The Rise of Skywalker, I really like what they did with Hux and Coruscant in that movie. It was really interesting and weird. Um, it, except for there was that one line that, again, takes me out of the moment. Um, I don't know if you've seen the script, any of the three of you. There's this line that makes me internally cringe every single time. 
uh, it's at this point when Hux realized the terrible truth. There's not a line of dialogue or anything, it's just a stage direction. This is at this point where Hux realizes the terrible truth. He had just lost the Star War. Oh, and yes. I was like, what is, what is happening right now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, why? No. Why must you do this? Yes. At the end of that, everyone just hears like a giant voice inside say, Star Wars is over. Thank you for participating. And I'll see you in it. Yes, you have you have reached the end of Star War. <laughs> oh, you know what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Naboo or was it Coruscant where Jar Jar was a street performer? I'm trying to remember where Naboo. that was from. It was in some book or something. Was it? I aftermath? think it was Aftermath. Yeah, it was Aftermath. It was mm-hmm. And I can't I remember. I think it was Naboo. It was Naboo. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. All right. But it, but it's still interesting. Yeah, um, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, get to your number two. Number two is Zepho. I'm going to continue to fall in order, love. Interesting. <laughs> fall in order train right here. Yeah. No, I can, here's the thing. I mean, number one, you can get super lost on it if you don't know where the hell you're going at the beginning, right? Oh, Once you, you figure it out, you're okay, right? But I just love that you, along with all the other places you get to visit there, you take a dive, like a deep dive into the planet. You're on the ground level. You get to see different settings and caverns and stuff it's just it's great i mean i absolutely love it it's one of my favorite it was it was it began as my most frustrating part of the game and ended up being my favorite part and so that's why i bring that planet up because it's just now i love the challenge and even if i get a little lost i was like oh, i kind of know my way around i know you know let me explore here let me explore there and you know now I'll, I'll find my way back <laughs> let's go to your number one Number one. All right. So let me look at my little list here because I already have it ready. I'm going to go with Gavin 4 as Ooh. my favorite. And there's many reasons for that. I mean, that we have the Masasi Temple. Um, you know, and obviously it's such an important part of where it all begins. You know, the Battle of Gavin, uh, what we see in Rogue One. I, I mean, everything that was, we end up finding out later, you know, how everything was laid down and the foundation of yeah. what we would see in A New Hope. But for me, it's it's kind of close to my heart because it's filmed in the Yucatan Peninsula in a place called Tikal, and there's Mayan ruins there, you know. And my family's from Guatemala, so it just when I was a kid and I found that out, I was like, "That's cool. That's like, you know, like old ancestors and stuff from out there. It's like that's part of Star Wars." And so I just it always was been a pretty important planet for me or say moon i should say um so that that's why i pick it as my number one so jacob how do you think we should proceed so we have brian's list we have my list we have your list um maybe we'll do brian's list let's do brian's list now yeah, I'd love yeah. To hear okay it. let's here we go so he didn't give an order for this so i'm just gonna go top down um for this just in the order that i've written them uh the first one he gave was Tatooine, and in parentheses, he wrote to me, "No one is surprised." <laughs> Can you guys explain to me what that means? <laughs> well, Brian will let you know what he loves, and he'll bring it up, you know, and it'll come up in different shows, and not just, uh, you know. And this is not—I'm not saying he's redundant. Please don't don't take it that way. He just lets it be known about the things that he loves yes. and so he will bring it up and it's okay. one of those things you're like yeah of course he picked that planet so. okay i'm gonna save tatooine for later because it's on my list um i'm gonna right. i'm gonna give you a heads up it's on my list so we'll go to the other two that aren't on my list first one i gotta do my best admiral akbar impression 
We're going to the forest moon of Endor. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, Endor. This was the one that was so close to being on my list, but when I saw it was on Brian's list, I'm like, I'll let him Same have it. Same here. Same um, here. It was know. like this close. Um, yeah. The forest moon of Endor. I mean, it's from my favorite part of my favorite Star Wars movie, so of course I'm going to love this planet. Um, this moon. But yeah, you know, the Ewoks. Like, just like, I don't understand. This is what I don't understand. There are people out there who actively hate Ewoks. I don't get it. They're so cute. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Maybe that's the problem. I mean, they're, they're I mean, they're not my favorite cute creature in Star Wars because Porgs exist. But like, <laughs> um, but. And they're uh, tastier. So, okay, so okay, listen here. here. So okay, listen here. here. No one's gonna dare to eat one of those cute little critters. Nobody's gonna dare. Not when I'm here. Except for Chewbacca. Yeah, Chewie almost did. Yeah, yeah that scene is one of the most heartbreaking scenes for me in Star Wars. I'm but gonna I admit that. Because I feel like you really should have eaten it anyway, just on the ship, because now it just went to waste. Yeah, like, now, you didn't even get to eat it. Yeah. You still killed him in the first place. I'm Use still... the whole pork. <laughs> Use every part of it. Use the whole pork. Light food waste. Okay, anyway. Back to the forest moon of Endor. Um, yeah. Um, there's some really incredible scenes that take place on Endor. And um, speaking to Jacob's like whole panoramic thing, there are some incredible shots on that planet. Um, yeah. 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 That's I like. Go ahead. I, I'm going to add a little bit to that yeah. just because like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, obviously some of those scenes uh, are filmed out here in California. So it's beautiful, you know, obviously it's a forest and so forth. So yeah, you get some beautiful scenery. Um, And I, I don't think I brought this up on pink milk before, but I can show you guys a picture later out when I look out from uh where I work at in Palo Alto, we have a big view of the, you know, the valley and see Stanford on one side. But then as you look towards the mountain, there's a big like dish up there. And <laughs> it just looks like Endor to me every time I look out the window. So I got to I got to show you that picture. So but yeah, I absolutely right, yeah. love. Endor. But yeah, Endor, there's some really small lines and pieces of dialogue relating to Endor that I love. For example, the first one that immediately pops into my head is C-3PO just telling R2 out of absolutely nowhere, I told you it was dangerous here. <laughs> like, no reason at all. To just, just, had to, just had to put that in. Um, also, yeah. an underrated scene. I always talk about underrated scenes from Turn of the Jedi. Here's another one. Last week I talked about the I'm with you two scene with Luke. This is a, another one. The story time scene in Return of the Jedi. Yes. Oh, such a great scene. I mean, first of all, I don't, yeah. I want to know how C-3PO gets all those good audio effects because he just like, you know, he gets the <laughs> TIE fighter sound and he gets the Vader sound pretty darn good. Um, yeah. He could be constantly recording for all we know. He's a spy oh, droid. Oh my god. <laughs> See, that's... Wait, Spy Droid, Jacob, don't bring me back to those episodes. I, uh, <laughs> I know, I, am I reminding you of the, the Goldie episode? Yes, you are. <laughs> and I had to... We were, we, were just, we were just talking about those, and Eli really dislikes those episodes. And so I hate I, those Aww. episodes. I really, I really... Great episode of Star Wars in the Galaxy, though. We had a lot of fun that episode. Um, but I have to keep constantly saying that, because j just because I didn't like those episodes didn't mean I, I dislike the episode we did on it. It was great. We had... Uh, Nessa from Farzik Stardust on it was great, um, but I hate those episodes. Um, yeah, 
they made no sense. But anyway, uh, yeah, anything else about the Force Mode event or before we go on to Brian's final one? Okay. I, just, I, okay. I love it there, and I love the styling of Princess Leia. Yeah, her Ender there outfit you go. is sweet. <laughs> okay, we're hopping uh, back on the Fallen Order train right here. Um, if you're counting, um, there's one more planet in Fallen Order we haven't talked about, and that's the third one on Brian's list, and it's Dothamir. Nice! Yeah. <laughs> Emma's so excited. To talk about Dothamir, <laughs> the planet of witches, the planet of witches, and first of all, I just want to say that Dothamir is the location of maybe one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars ever, Massacre. I mean, that episode, I've talked about this before, Jacob, you will know, you will remember me talking about, um, like, the more the Clone Wars gets away from the Separatists and the Republic, it, the better it becomes. That has literally nothing to do with the actual Clone War. It's a robot army and a wizard army fighting each other. That's literally all that episode is. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's so weird. Like, you know, for a show that like two seasons ago was about using a special stealth ship to go blow up the other enemy ship to go to like this dark witchery thing and like Dooku gets boiled on his head from like the... <laughs> again here's another thing i'm bringing back from this show not a kid's show anymore not yeah. not a kid's show anymore yeah yeah i think yep. actually so anyone about dothamir <sighs> i'm all about night sisters and night brothers like, there's that like, that's what brian said uh, um, and i love oh did he warn you <laughs> but dothamir gave me night sisters and night sisters are amazing that's literally that i'm reading it verbatim yeah yeah and and i love not not just i love the night sisters not only for what and who they are but also because of what they represent because they show that there is other ways of wielding the force Besides yeah. being a Jedi and or a Sith and using Kyber to focus the force because yeah. they use Ikor, right? And so it opens up this whole realm of mystery to, you know, like, how do you access the force? How do you harness it? How do you, like, um, intertwine your, your power with the power of the force in order to manipulate the world around you? Yeah, I just... I love all that stuff. I love dark, scary Great <laughs> mythology. <stuff. laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, I just and yeah, like visiting Dathomir on Fallen Order and exploring it was just such a great experience and so exciting and different. Like everything was unexpected. You never knew what you were going to encounter. I just loved that. It was my, very thrilling. The biggest thing, in my opinion, to expand and make me enjoy the planet of Dothmir so much more, is in the Clone Wars stories in Dark, uh, light, stories of light and dark, there's this excellent short story, maybe one of the best Star Wars short stories I've ever read, called Bug, um, by Ian e. Convery, who is a great writer and is also married to Dave Filoni. Uh, and she wrote this incredible story. It was the only one that was not an adaptation of a Clone Wars episode. It was... Uh, in, it was actually a companion story to Massacre, which is the mm -hmm. slaughter episode, and it's so good. It's like such a great story, and it left. It ended on a cliffhanger too, and I want to see that story continue too. Um, yeah, Jacob, any thoughts about Dothamir? 
Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with everything Emma said. I think it's a really interesting planet. Um, I love it when they when they bring in different ways of accessing the Force and and interacting with the Force besides just being a Jedi or a Sith. So you know, I think the Night Sisters are really interesting. And yeah, yeah, I think it's a really cool planet as well. I yeah. didn't know until just a second ago that the Combrys were named after Filoni's wife. I'm yeah. like, my mind is blown. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wow. That's so yeah, cool. There's so, Filoni has so many references to Star Wars. Like in the Clone Wars, there's a clone mm -hmm. trooper named, uh, was it Oppo or Oppa? And, and he has Apple. like the Avatar symbol on his helmet. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just started watching yeah. that too. And you know, think of the Tuka cat, you know, after his own cat. So yeah, yeah. you think of <laughs> what do you think of uh, Ahsoka as Filoni's like metaphorical daughter? The whole thing with Ahsoka oh, and the convoys, oh, wow. like yeah. take on a whole new meaning. It's great. Wow. Okay. But, uh, thank Sweet. you so much to Brian for those picks. Um, we hope you and your family are doing better in the days to come. And again, thanks for so much for submitting those. Um. Yeah, Jacob, you want to get to yours? You want to do mine first? What What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I'll do. I'll do mine. I'll, okay, I'll let's now. do this. Sure. Number three. Let's. Um, I'm interested. So my number three planet is Umbara. I really oh, like Umbara as a location. Yeah. I think I don't. I'm not like I don't have like a really connection to it at all. I just was thinking about this, and I love the foggy, misty climate. I think that it just everything about it just sets the perfect tone for the episodes of the clone wars that take place though with pong krell and all this betrayal and you know, it's like one of the darkest arcs and it's kind of kind of a harrowing watch at times but yeah i really love that i love the um the miniature sarlaccs that they <laughs> have to fight i love the the, the giant glowing plants everything i just i think it's so striking and, and i love the uh i love the colors so Almost purely because of like its visual, like punch. I love Umbara. I'm probably not gonna have too much to say about Umbara because I'm not a, as huge fan of it as Jacob. But either of the two of you, if you want to weigh in on Umbara, yeah, I remember those episodes. Those they tripped me out and Krell. I just <laughs> That's about it. That's out. what I'll do. Get out. I am and like I'm there for anything that has bioluminescent plant life. Like that's just magical. <laughs> yeah, bioluminescence is so cool. Yeah. Um Jacob just moving two. on to yeah. my number two pick. Yeah. I had to go with Ryloth for oh, my number two oh. pick. Um, we just did this. We just did Ryloth a yeah, couple episodes um, ago. I think it may not be a like the flashiest planet again in terms of like its look or its appearance, but I just think that going back to what we uh what mark gave us um it feels like one of the more grounded planets and it feels so real the stories that take place there and the way that they approach it just i don't know i find it infinitely interesting and you know i, I think visually it's it's pretty great too you got like all these slot canyons crazy caves towering rock formations you get the stark desert you got the lush jungle um but yeah i think that the the way the Twi'lek stories play out, especially in the Clone Wars and Rebels, mm -hmm. where we get to see a lot of Ryloth, it's just some of the most interesting ideas that I think Star Wars has to put forward. And most most much of those do tie to the treatment of Ryloth citizens by the Republic and the Separatists. And it's just really interesting how much that planet is used to explore the impact of war on a uh, 
the, the citizens of some place. And yeah, so I, I just really like Ryloth. I find it a really interesting planet. And I love the Twi'leks. I think they're a very interesting species and I love how resilient they are. Yeah. Jacob, you're going to hate me for this. I just realized what? something. I was thinking of the evolution of the Twi'leks, right? Yeah. What is the last line we've heard a Twi'lek say in Star Wars? Like, most recently. Oh, I don't know. McClunky. McClunky. <laughs> Wait, no. The Book of Boba Fett teaser. McClunky. Oh my gosh, McClunky. Holy moly. <laughs> right before he dies, Viv Fortuna. McClunky. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> Famous last words. I wonder now, like, two of Java's most famous lieutenants, Greedo and um, Dib Fortuna, is Natalie Yusma Clunky. I wonder if we haven't seen a room in Java's house where it just there's a big banner up and it's just like, <laughs> McClunky. <laughs> the Hall of McClunky with uh, all the people <laughs> models that have fallen and say it as they die. <laughs> you get the annual... You get the Jabba McClunky Award. <laughs> McClunky. Sorry, I completely derailed that with a joke about McClunky. Um, I'm here for it. Okay, Jacob, by the way, so before you go, go to your number one, go to your number one, actually. <laughs> oh, we got the slider on the... I love nice. it. Yeah, my number one, obviously, uh, obvious to Eli, at least. Is, is Lothal. Um, you know, Lothal, I think this planet, to me, it's unique because of how much time we get to spend on it in Rebels in comparison to a lot of other Star Wars planets. I think, again, it's super grounded. It feels like you could actually live there. It feels so, f what I love about it is it's so fleshed out in terms of the society. We even see like some of, some of like the socioeconomic impact of the Empire. We see kind of the the, the the political the political environment of the the climate or the of the planet and yeah I absolutely love that um also you know loth wolves loth cats those are two of my favorite animals in terms of the visuals which I like a lot in terms of locations I I feel as though it's interesting because it is kind of drab you know you've got the golden prairies and it's it's always it's always overcast and yet it's still so appealing somehow and and i think the fact that it is not super like out of the ordinary and super outlandish again just adds to the feel of lothal as one of those more grounded places where it feels like you could actually step in and 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 lead a life there and and it actually feels so immersive great pick of lothal right there yeah all three from the animated shows yep Absolutely. Yeah, three, I mean, um, yeah. Um, I'm in, I'm interested to see what you guys think of my three. So here we go. Without further ado, my number three, we've already addressed it earlier, is Tatooine. Three months ago, I would not have put this on my list. Hmm. I would not have put this on my list. But then we got maybe one of the best episodes of Star Wars TV, I think, ever. Um, chapter 9, The Marshal. Um and yep. what I love about chapter, this is going to be a, a recurring theme in a lot of stuff. You know, when I was, you were talking about Kashyyyk, I my mind immediately jumped to Knights of the Old Republic. Um, when you talked about uh, Moraband, my mind immediately jumped to Korriban from Knights of the Old Republic. Mm -hmm. And what Knights of the Old Republic, and by extension, the Mandalorian, because if you think about it, the Mandalorian's plot for chapter nine and 
KOTOR's Tatooine plot are basically the same thing. It's kill a crate dragon, get its pearl. That's it. Again, there's not enough to say about Tatooine. It feels like home every time we visit it. It's that, like, you know, it's predictable. Desert planets in Star Wars only became, like, the thing because of Tatooine. You know, Pasana, Jakku, Geonosis. None of that would have existed without Tatooine in the first place. Um, yep. Some of the, like, the beginning of Tatooine scenes in A New Hope are, like, some of my favorite scenes in Star Wars. The Jabba's Palace scenes are incredible. The Mos Espa scenes are very good. Um, I can't lavish enough. Oh, and also, Tatooine is also where Ray Skywalker happens, so I'm going to give that, like, 100 extra bonus right? points because of that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's me about Tatooine. I was going to add that, you know, where I was saying that Coruscant, Coruscant feels like the center of the universe, and then... In some ways, Tatooine is that on its own, too, because of look at how much happens there. All these characters that you meet from there. How we end up coming back and we get new adventures there. We get introduced to new people that are important to the overall story. And so you can say all you want to about this desert planet, but it there's a lot still there that... I don't, you know, we, we can, I hope they don't milk it to death, but at the same time, I love that we keep going back and we get to love it all over again for new reasons. And like you were saying, with that episode alone, people who are tired of tattooing, it turned around quickly. And so yeah. I'm totally here for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, if I can say something, I think that, I, I think tattooing is so interesting because, you know, Star Wars, it's such a big, grand story. It's like, the whole galaxy sometimes is like resting in the balance because of the Skywalker family drama because of Anakin and Luke and Leia and, and Padme and you know, but then it keeps coming back. There's this one like nondescript, like arguably backwater planet where people literally have to farm moisture using machines because there's so little water. I just I just think that's interesting how it like you keep coming back to like kind of the humble origins of of the Skywalker family. And now it doesn't all have to be super huge and grand, but you get kind of a nice, a nice break from all the towering Coruscant skyscrapers or the big dramatic planets. I also just realized we've gone back to binary sunset again. I feel like that scene is going to be in every why star Wars is star Wars. We do. It was a heavy feature of the first one. And now of course, in the second one, one of the, one of my, most moving moments that I found happened on Tatooine was the end of Darth Maul or the end of Maul. Oh yeah. My favorite episode of rebels. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about how my, one of my least favorite characters dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still don't understand, but Eli, Eli just, Eli, Eli and Darth, Eli can't come to terms with Darth Maul. Jacob it's can't come to terms with Bo-Katan cries. Okay. That's true. That's true. You got me. There. You got me there. I, I like, I liked Maul as a character. I liked following him. And I just found that his the end of his life was so fitting for him. He just to die at the hands of Obi-Wan, that was just the most fitting end for him. And I feel like at the end he knew that. Yeah. yeah. It just yeah. had this feeling of things being set to rights. Things yeah. being Things when, happening the way they were meant to happen, and him submitting himself to destiny. Indeed. When Rey describes Luke's death in Last Jedi, she says to Leia, "It was filled with peace and purpose," which yes. was exactly what Maul's death was. 
Also, yes. I just realized we got a great meme on Tatooine in that very episode. I think Jacob probably knows what I'm going with. Kenobi Lost in the desert, <laughs> searching for one Kenobi. Kenobi. <laughs> so I, I wanted to add with that what Em said though, because you know, I mean, there's just uh, you know Kenobi and Maul. I mean, their their destinies are intertwined. You know, just like Vader and and Kenobi's is, but with Maul, it's like he wants revenge and he you know he puts all of this on kenobi and if he can destroy him everything will be better and he's chasing this he's chasing the revenge and he finally gets his moment and little did we know the whole time that ben would he would give him peace he would finally be able to be like yeah i i did what i was here to do i'm done and he dies in his arms like qui-gon did yeah. and it, it it it's a sad and it's a beautiful moment at the same time because yeah it, the whole time how their lives had been intertwined and in the end he would leave you know the star wars universe in the arms of this person who he thought was just gonna like give him everything that he needed as far as like i destroy this and i'll be better yeah. and i'll be everything's gonna come together for me yeah it gave him peace but it just makes it interesting i hope i, I hope I, I was able to explain that correctly but yeah i no, just I find, yeah. It so I find it so interesting how that all came about and the way it ended i was just like it was it was beautiful and i, I feel like visually like in terms of like storytelling through imagery it was so fitting because like you were saying mark it was like there was so much that was heaped onto this moment from all but visually there's nothing yeah like it's a desert it's empty there's empty sky there's empty terrain there's yeah. only just the two of them and so it's like all of those ghosts and all of that baggage it's just cleared away yeah. and it's just those two it's just so clean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So on to my number two, which is going to be the one that Jacob's going to be pleasantly surprised by, I think. I'm very excited to see all of your reaction to this. I've been on a Knights of the Old Republic train, and I'm going to continue that train. Number two, Terrace. If if you remember, Jacob, back to the old days, first couple episodes of In a Galaxy, when I was obsessed with Terrace. Um <laughs> there's so much for me to love about Terrace. First of all, we spend the first, like, six hours of Knights of the Old Republic there. So we get to... Terrace is the Zepho of Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We spend the most time there. And I love how the planet is literally built economically. You know, the upper city is, like, where the, all the wealthy and privileged live. The lower city is, you know, way more run down. And we got that... And then the undercity below... There's a violent Sith plague that's run rampant down there called the Rock Ghoul Plague. Um, and most of them don't even think the sun exists. <laughs> most of them don't think the sun exists. That's crazy. It's it's such an interesting planet. And you go, and as Knights of the Republic progresses on, you go further down and you get to see what life, what the Sith occupation and the Sith and I cannot believe this was an actual like word that was used heavily in that game. The Sith quarantine. That's what they did. They quarantined Terrace. They made it so that nobody could leave Terrace. Um, you could see how the Sith occupation was affecting everyone from the top down. And it's a really fascinating look at a very, like, again, there are some people out there who think KOTOR is the best Star Wars story of all time. 
It's not. I'm never going to make that claim. <laughs> but there's something special about how Terrace is presented as a planet as an aside. You know, I, there's something very, very special about that um, that I really love. So that's why Terrace is my number two. Sweet. Yeah. Um, anything about Terrace or should I just proceed to my number one? I'm very excited for my number one too, actually. Yeah, yeah go for it. Okay, number one. Let's just say this. Long have I waited. But finally I got to <laughs> reveal my number one, which is Exegol. Nice. <laughs> Exegol. Oh my god. The chills that I got in The Rise of Skywalker. And again, this is back to me ranting about how much I love The Rise of Skywalker. The chills that I got on Exegol. You're watching a horror movie on that planet. You are the vibe you get from that planet is such a distinct like you get such a distinct energy from that planet that I absolutely love in a way and again I love Korriban and Moraband but like in a way you don't get from those two it yeah. like the Korriban and Moraband's like that desolate feel this is straight horror Palpatine is like like clinging back to life by wires and magic and Snoke's in a tank and I'm like what's going on here it's so, and it's also this is what I also like um about Rise of Skywalker you know for four years in the sequel trilogy we were getting all these questions and in the Rise of Skywalker you've started to get concrete answers <laughs> whether you liked them or not you got them and that started on Exegol you know it started with um foolish boy I made Snoke and you know, um, he uh, and you know that Palpatine has been every voice he's heard inside his head, and like it also, you know, you also get that incredible saying, um, "Foolish girl, I am all the Sith, and I am all the Jedi." And then she defeats Palpatine once and for all. Um, there's so much symbolism in that scene, but I just love the entire vibe that Sith that Sith throne that looks like the one from Game of Thrones in there, like. It, that the there's love it or hate it i don't think anyone can argue with the fact that the that the energy of exegol is so distinct and so different um and that's why exegol is my number one nice yeah. very cool my favorite <laughs> inhabitant of exegol is probably darth noctis i that from i i'm blanking on that Oh, that's such a great story. Like Darth Sanguis and Darth Noctis were seeking immortality and that was where they did their like experiments. And basically Darth Sanguis tried to like put one over on Noctis, but Noctis came out on top. Noctis actually killed Sanguis and stole like his life essence. I'm actually pretty sure. So Eli, I was going to say that, um, and and stop me if you don't want to know anything about this, but I don't know if you saw like the Vader comic book and where it's headed. Like, I think it's like a couple issues from now. Your boy's coming into the story and your planet. (laughs) I've never read Star Wars comics before Vader 5 and I got into it and Ochi's there and Exegol's there and I'm like, I'm on board, Greg Pack, do whatever you want. Okay, Go, 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 go. I didn't want to spoil it because I didn't know if you had No, 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 I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. Yay. It's great. I love it. I, I love it so much. I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's like, you know, it's yeah. all coming together. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was quite fun. Um, let's go on to our next part of the episode. And our next part of the episode is every is coincidentally everyone's favorite part of In a Galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. 
<laughs> okay, so we got a little bit of uh, something. It's a weird substitute thing we're doing. Um, it's, I call it quick rank. Um, Jacob and I both have one category, and we're going to go around and quickly say our top three in that category, just like we did. Um, yeah. Okay, Jacob, why don't you go first? All right, yeah. So uh, my top three, or my proposition, I guess, for everybody else, is uh, what are your top three favorite non-force-using characters? Non-force-using characters. Uh, Jacob, you want to start us off there? Three, two, one, go. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll rank the. Oh, really quickly. I didn't. I didn't think this. Through. I didn't realize I would have to answer too. Um, oh yeah. It always, always happens. I, I I like ask people questions. I'm like, what's your favorite something? And then they ask me, and I'm completely caught off guard. <laughs> off the top of my head, I am going to say number one. Prin- Wait, no, Princess Leia can use the. F- Never mind. Okay, scratch that. Yeah. <laughs> scratch that. Oh <laughs> man. Okay. Okay, number three. Damn sequel trilogy gets you. Sabine Wren. I love Sabine Wren's awesome. Number two, Chewbacca. Gotta love Chewbacca. And number one, Hera Syndulla. I, I've really been like thinking about like rewatching Rebels, thinking about Hera Syndulla, what she does, what like how she acts. She's just awesome and I don't know. I I feel inspired by her sometimes. <laughs> So, yeah. Okay. Um, so hopefully this is like not cheating, but I would say my number three would be Chirrut. I know he's not a force user, but he just he was obviously a guardian of the will. But yeah. I just I love that character. Okay, yeah, sure. So yeah, if no, it, if ahead. that's acceptable, yeah. no, no, go that. ahead. Yeah, yes, and then number two, I'm gonna go with Hera, and number one, I'm gonna go with Sabine. So Ooh. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I think I got there. mine. Um, number three, Embo. Number three, Captain Rex. And number one, to defeat an enemy, you must know them. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, I forgot about Thrawn. What a great choice. <laughs> so my number three is Rose Tico. Sweet. Um, everyone, you know, like everyone wants to be her best friend because like she would just take care of you like nobody else. Uh, number two, the best mom in the entire Star Wars franchise, Shmi. Oh, yes. I you're gonna go awesome. with Hera, but it, yes, yes, Shmi. Awesome, yes. thank you. So <laughs> underrated. I can't believe I didn't think yeah. that. Yeah, like she needs more love, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And number one is Han Solo. Nice, yeah. a scoundrel. I love Han Solo. Everything I yep. love everything about him. Yep. Okay, here's mine. This one I think is gonna be. A little easier for you guys, uh, Mark and Emma, because you guys were talking about a little bit on After Dark last night. Um, so um, I'm going to go with, of the 12 Star Wars movies currently, top three favorite openings. Oh, so I would say my number three would be Attack of the Clones. I absolutely love the beginning of that. I think I was talking about that last night, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, I just love the way it's based, yeah. the visuals, everything you see how everything just turns around upside down, you know? So there's that. Um, number two, Revenge of the Sith, because of that opening, the battle is just fantastic, yeah. right? And in my number one, I think that some of you will agree with this, is the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Dude, so there's They're that. building a new Death Star, and then C-3PO and R2 just go walking along like nothing's happening. <laughs> I thought this was going to be higher. Number three, Revenge of the Sith drums banging they come like boom boom like what the heck is that number two star wars episode seven the force awakens um the shuttle's going down the flashing lights the kylo everything and number one weird one but i'm gonna stick with this in my number one 
the Phantom Menace. Um, they touch down on the ship. You see you're in a completely different era of Star Wars. But look, there's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And look, there's a protocol droid. And look, there's... But now there's poison gas. And now they're destroying these robots. And like, yeah. Episode one, my favorite. Okay, so for me, my number three is Attack of the Clones. Uh, same reasons as Mark. Um, number two is uh, Rogue One. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I... Yeah, that was like seeing that in the theater. I was just so excited, and it just was so Star Warsy. I was just like, "Oh, I'm right back in there again!" <laughs> oh, look, there's Lyra back from the dead. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from that entire movie. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a number one is Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Jacob, go right ahead. This is hard. I love all the opening scenes. I think, but my number three. Is gotta be uh, uh, yeah. Number three, the Force Awakens. I just love how you see the moon and then you see the ship and and it slowly eclipses and you think, okay, that's pretty cool. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, my number two, that's gotta be Revenge of the Sith. I love the way everything's so <clears throat> tranquil and then you pan down and then like all hell just breaks <laughs> loose. It goes from like zero to one hundred in like three seconds. My number one, it's got to be A New Hope. I think that's just so iconic. The first time I saw it, it was just mind-blowing. You see the ship, and then the Star Destroyer just coming down from the top of the screen, just more and more just gray metal, never-ending. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So now we're on to our next part of Star Wars uh, in a Galaxy. Um, And these are our speed round interview questions. Um, Okay. So you guys are going to be put in the, um, I guess you'd call it the hot seat. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. Um, okay. Uh, we'll do, maybe, let's, let's have Emma go first and then Mark for these. Um, okay. First one, favorite Star Wars character. Uh, Princess Leia. Absolutely. Like she just serves every single time and in every way. She is smart. She's strategic. She is beautiful. Her clothes are impeccable. And yeah, I just, I love her. And she's a great shot, which always very close to my heart. Mark, favorite Star Wars character? Yoda, without a doubt. So I I, I love King. my little green master. As, as a short person, and Brian, I'm sure would agree, is that, you know, he just lets you know that size matters not. You can accomplish so many things, but just because you're a little sharp person doesn't mean you can't do it. You know, you got to reach for that stuff and it's possible. And yeah, he's just continually just, you know, I, he, and it doesn't have, it's not that he doesn't have any faults, but just to me, I just love his wisdom. Yoda is also my favorite Star Wars character, so I completely agree with you there. Um, okay, Jack, go. All right. Emma, what is your favorite Star Wars trilogy? Uh, I'd say the original trilogy because just because it's wormed its way into me so so much you know it just it, if I had to like throw everything else out that's what I would keep <laughs> da, 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 da. yeah Mark uh, Mark original trilogy as well I, I grew like... up on it and it's just I mean there's just so much that happens and we got you know we got the original three three uh, and their Luke Leia Han. I mean, yeah, it's just too so much from it that 
like I grew up on. So it just it's hard to tear away from that. But if I had to pick one outside of that, it would be the prequels. So I'm leaving that out there. <laughs> Jacob's day of vindication has come because you know yeah, we've had uh, we've had so many guests. We always ask them these yeah. questions, and everyone else. Realized all three trilogies. All three trilogies have been picked, so I'm very yeah, happy about that. Have been picked, but everyone yeah. else has said those are prequels. So but yeah. Please. Um. Okay. I'm, I'm here we go. It. So this next one, if you don't have it officially down, that's completely fine. Um. You. Uh. But the next one is movie ranking. If you just have a top five or a favorite, that's also fine. Ooh. Okay. You go, Mark. Okay. All right. So um, start. Start from five. Oh, oh um, yeah. Oh, okay. We're, let's see. Let me see off the top of my head. Let me think about this real quick. I would have to say that number five would be. Um, oh, let me think about this for a second. Emma, do you have it or no? Um. Yeah. Okay. I've, okay. Um. All right. Number five. Uh. Rogue One. Number four. Force Awakens. Number three. Uh, number three. Oh, uh, number three, Revenge of the Sith. Number two, The Last Jedi. Number one, Empire Strikes Back. No, Return of the Jedi. Sorry. Yes. Good okay. stuff. Number one, Return of the Jedi. It. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, Mark, go. All right. I'm going to go with uh, number five is going to be um, uh, The Last Jedi. Number four, Rogue One. Number three, Revenge of the Sith. Number two, Empire Strikes Back. And number one, Return of the Jedi. We're trying oh, to Jedi yeah, fans. I like that. that. <laughs> yeah. The original thing vibe with Jacob, the Return of the Jedi is, is vibing with me. Uh, okay. Next question. Jacob, go ahead. Uh, what is your favorite Star Wars background character? Like a character that maybe shows up in one or two scenes, maybe just in a shot running through. All right. Even though it was just around for a second, but he's forever in our hearts. It's Gene's guy from The Mandalorian. Gene's guy. <laughs> I can't believe can I, can I choose that lesbian bartender from Resistance? Hi. <laughs> oh, Aunt Z. <laughs> Wait, is that Aunt Z? Aunt Z? Are you talking about? I love one. Let's go. Love it. I, I legitimately want them to do like J on like I want literally the the guy to be made canon and and for him to be Jayon's Gui or something like that. Just Star Wars. Jayon's Gui. <laughs> <laughs> they made a character named Sleaze Bogano. Surely they can make a character named Jayon nice. <laughs> Okay. Next question. Favorite non-movie Star Wars media that other people are missing out on? So beyond the movies, favorite piece of Star Wars media? And this could be animated, right? Yeah, it could yeah. be anything yeah, other yeah. than okay. a movie. Star Wars is right. not a movie that you think more people should... Oh, yeah. I, I, okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll go first. That's good. Um, so I just I would have to say, I mean, Rebels or Clone Wars, if they haven't seen it yet, I mean, a lot of people don't because oh, it's animated. It's for kids. It's like, come on. Savage so press behead someone. It's not right, for kids. Right, exactly. That duel with Maul, Savage, and Sidious is one of my favorite duels and moments in any of all Star Wars. So no, you, it, give it a chance. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Emma. I would. I, I have a tie. Um, uh, forces of Destiny, the Forces of Destiny shorts. Yes. Um, which I the think choices we make, the actions yep. we take, <laughs> moments. Love that stuff. Love it. And Good and choice. in second place, I would put the Evox animated series. Oh, that's oh, a deep cut. Oh. 
In our quest to watch all the Star Wars we can get our hands on, I think we'll eventually get there, and it's going to be an interesting couple of episodes. Um, yeah. Okay. Next question, Jacob. This is actually your yeah, one. Yeah. What do you think is the coolest Star Wars species? Ooh. That's a good question. Oh, I'm going to say the Lanai on Octo. Good That's choice. Cool. Yeah. Oh, good choice. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I'm, let's do the, the Mon Calamari. I, I would say just because I love their, you know, obviously the planet, them, and then they seem to be very good leaders. And I, I don't know. I just love what they've brought into the Star Wars universe. And we stuff. love a fish face. Right, exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Especially when they're seeing a, a Super Star Destroyer crash into the Death Star. <laughs> Mm. Look on Aquarius. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Next question. Um, what is your preferred Star Wars viewing order? I'm just gonna say release order. Keep it simple. Yeah. 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 That's right I mean, it's tempting to be basic and say machete order, but <laughs> I don't think we've ever had anyone say for this question anything other than release order. Really? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Well, Emma. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it in uh, machete order. So that's in okay. Uh, Jacob, go ahead. All oh, right. This is a topical question. <laughs> this is a very topical question. Which Star Wars planet would you choose for a nice vacation? Oh, I, I okay. Naboo. <laughs> I would say Ajax I would choose Ajax Oh, good, good yeah, play. Because it's choice. warm, there's sun, there's, you know, like it's green and beautiful, there's waterfalls. That just sounds lovely to me. There's a passage in the Rise of Skywalker novelization where Leia calls it good, where Luke calls it good Dagobah. Uh, <laughs> and that pretty much sums it up. Strong force connection, just no like slimy snakes trying to bite you. Or seagulls. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Uh, okay, what is, in your opinion, the coolest weird Star Wars viewing order you've seen? So not machete, not uh, release, not chronological. I guess, I mean, I don't know how strange it is, but if you include all the animated material along with the movies, I think that would make for a very interesting, even if you want to think of it weird, way of viewing the bigger story. It's true, yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's what Petra, my friend Petra did that. Oh, that's sweet. That's what they did, yeah. And it was really cool because they had they had never seen a lot of the films, and yeah, yeah. they ended up kind of like just like sandwiching the entire Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, at, at that time, only season one had been released, so they watched like all of season one Mandalorian between, you know, between yeah. Return of the Jedi yeah. and Force Awakens. Force Awakens, and it yeah. was very very cool. Yeah. All right. If you lived in the Star Wars universe, what Star Wars job would you take? Oh. I know. Historian. Oh. That would, Be that, a Star yeah. Wars fan in Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> That's such a good pick. I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. A, a Star Wars historian. Wow. I feel like I'd 
I think I'd, I'd want to be a healer. Ooh. Like, would you use the force or like a yeah. traditional dog? I, I would Jedi use everything. healer. I would use Night sister yeah. magic. Use it all. <laughs> yeah. Use the I-Corp. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. I'd want to be a healer, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, this next question comes from a um, uh, my favorite quote from the behind the scenes of Star Wars anything. George Lucas going to t- telling his staff on the prequels, you know, it's like poetry. You know, they rhyme. Every stanza sort of rhymes with the last. Hopefully it'll work. Uh, what is your favorite example of it's like poetry, it rhymes in Star Wars? It could be anything. It doesn't have to be just the movies. It can be TV and all other stuff too. I am going to go, and I feel like this gets under-remarked on or underused when people are comparing the films, but the echo of the throne room conversation between Rey and Kylo with the discussion that Anakin and Padme have on Mustafar. Oh, yeah. And together, uh, you and me can rule the galaxy, make things the way we want them to be. Yep. Contrasted with, um, no, no, you're still holding on, let go! Yep. The Sith, <laughs> the, the Jedi, the Empire... Yeah, I can see it. I can definitely some of see those it. Lines, some of those lines actually, like, in the language, they actually echo one another. Like That's well, beautiful. Like the, that fact, is... the fact that Padme says, you're, like, when you think about the choice that Ray makes to say, please don't go this way, with you're, you're going, going down, a down a path I can't, I can't follow. follow. That, is, that is just beautiful right That there. is a direct echo. This is yeah. why I love Star Wars. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Mark? Oh, this one has me a little stumped. Like I said, it's just, it, it, there's a lot to pick from. I'm just trying to think of like people's stories that echo. Um, oh, man. I'm really, really stumped because in another conversation, I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's this and then that and this. And then this, for whatever reason, I just I can't put it all together in my head. I mean, there's, there's, there's really obvious ones like obviously like the way that ray ends on tatooine with the twin sons you know is she looking towards her future and we begin with luke looking at those same sons looking towards his future and wanting something different whereas ray is content and happy and she's found her name and herself um give it to you me know, give the rise of skywalker give more rise yeah, of skywalker. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i uh, i think that's that's probably a, a very obvious one but that's the one that pops into my head just we start with Luke looking away and wanting more and knowing that he's just, there's something better for him out there, even though he really doesn't know what it is that's coming his way and he's going to kind of regret it later. But <laughs> but at the same time, when we get that completion of that same, looking at that same sunset, it's Ray and she's happy. And it's like, she's got the Skywalker name. She's got a future ahead of her and things are finally okay in the universe again. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, got two more questions left. Jacob, go ahead with your final question. All right. This one's a little more basic. But uh, if you could take one item or force power from Star Wars into the real world, what would it be? I would love just like the telekinesis, the the ability to be able to like bring stuff to myself. You know, I just oh. I would love to have that. You know, I, that's obviously I've thought about that since I was a little kid. That's, that's just so practical and yet also you could do so many uh, you uh, the ultimate party trick right exactly i mean you can have fruit float to me or to float to somebody else i mean you know yeah. you can add, 
Because that's the only thing telekinesis is ever used for in Star Wars. <laughs> okay, Emma. I would want a holocron. I think holocrons are very cool. Oh, cool. Okay, final one. This is a subject of a great controversy on In a Galaxy. Um, so I'm going to pull up an image of a character, and you're going to tell me how to pronounce her name, okay? That's Who's that? Oh! That's yes. Yeah. Zam what? Russell. Yes. Okay, we have reached yeah. vindication. Yes. Um, Devor, and I will agree with that as well. That is, that's, 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 how how I've always said it. that's how Brian says it. That's how I've always said it too. So, yep, I'm there with him. <laughs> Devor, do with this information what you want to do. Um, anyway, um, yeah, okay, so Wessel, not Wizzell. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks like there should be an extra S in there, but I mean, I nope. just pronounce it that way anyway. Anyway, um, again, uh, we're reaching the end of our episode. Thank you so much to Mark and Emma to co- for coming on. Before we go, uh, we'll start with Mark. Mark, plug. plug so away. you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at I am El Diablito. Um, and I also on uh, Taking the Number Two, which is a Star Trek podcast um, with uh, Dallas and Steve from time to time. It's on the Bad Motivators Patreon. Um, and if you want to get a hold of us at uh, Pink Milk, you can send us, you find us on Twitter at Serving Pink Milk. Okay, Emma, go plug. So uh, you can find me at 11 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday nights on Pink Milk After Dark. Uh, the Twitter account is at Serving Pink Milk. And uh, we're also in under Pink Milk Podcast uh, on our YouTube channel. So you can find us there. Uh, on my personal Twitter account, you can find me causing trouble at Foxler, F-O-X-F-L-E-U-R, ship who you want. All ships are valid. Thank you so much to the two of you for coming on. Um, that's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. The next episode is our beginning of Season 5, which we're going to be covering the Season 2 episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, Holocron Heist, Cargo of Doom, and Children of the Force. It's going to be some great stuff. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy. You can find us, uh, our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Anchor, Breaker, wherever you find your podcast, we'll be there. Um, you can find us on YouTube, Star Wars in a Galaxy, and I'm trying to think, oh yeah, please leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help. Um, and uh, until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.